According to new evidence submitted in court this week as part of Donald Trump's New York fraud trial that was made public this week, I should say, Donald Trump allegedly inflated the value of Mar-a-Lago to 20 times of what his own tax representative said that the property was worth. Here's what happened. You had, uh, VP Raymond Flores, who in the year 2020, Donald Trump's last year as president signed a waiver agreeing with Palm beach County's tax assessment that Mar-a-Lago was worth $27 million. Donald Trump, on the other hand, that same year claimed that the property was worth $517 million. He is of course, in recent weeks posted on truth social that the property is probably worth, you know, $1.5 billion, but his own vice president, Raymond Flores agreed with the tax assessment from professional tax authorities and said, yes, Mr. Tax man, that property is only worth $27 million. This is not the first piece of evidence to show that Donald Trump has clearly lied about the value of his properties. We know, according to recent evidence that has been made public, he lied to secure loans for his golf courses. He, he lied about other properties, lied about the square footage, lied about all of this stuff. So the question is, why is that not the biggest news coming out of the New York fraud trial? Think about it for a second. This evidence that is being made public from this trial is showing us routinely and repeatedly how Donald Trump change the values of his properties to suit his needs of the day. Why is that not the biggest news? Well, it's obvious because so far the biggest news coming out of Donald Trump's fraud trial has been his reactions to everything on truth social, the lies that he has been telling the reporters outside the courtroom. Every time he steps outside, either at the end of the day or before he goes in for the day, he's telling reporters crazy, stupid things. He's attacking the judge. He's attacking Letitia James. Those are the things that make the headlines. And now it all becomes crystal clear why Donald Trump is doing that, right? We know he hates these people and we know that he feels threatened. So he threatens these people. But I think now based on all of this information that again, it'll pop up in a headline and disappear in an hour. I think the reason that Donald Trump is going so ballistic on social media is not because he's completely terrified of his future. He's doing it to distract us all from the information coming out at this trial. That is what I firmly believe at this point, because again, what are you hearing people talk about? Hell, what have you heard me talk about? It's been Donald Trump's reactions about the judge and the prosecutor and the gag order and how much he hates everybody. And of course he'll lie about the values. And then those lies get carried into the media. Again, we all get sucked into the trap. I've been sucked into the trap and I'm willing to admit it, but he's doing it intentionally and he's doing it to distract us from the horrible evidence that is being presented against him. Cause that's the part that like, we're all kind of forgetting about, right? This is still a trial. This is still an attempt by the state of New York to prove that this man has been lying about his businesses and their profitability and his worth for years and years and years. And they're doing a bang up job of it. 
So every time there is a new piece of evidence like this, that shows how corrupt Donald Trump is, what does he do? He'll get on truth social. He'll, he'll say something crazy and outrageous. And next thing you know, that is what has captured the news cycle instead of the fact that he overinflated the value of Mar-a-Lago by 20 times what it was actually worth. That should be what we're paying more attention to as this trial goes on. It's no secret that Marjorie Taylor Greene has her eyes on a higher office. You know, it's been pretty clear that she is of course lobbying to become Donald Trump's vice president, even though those closest to him have pretty much let him know that he'd have to be stupid to pick her as his running mate next year. However, that does not mean that she is out of the running. So that's something to keep an eye on. She's also hinted recently that maybe she's going to run for governor of Georgia or maybe she's going to run for Senate in the state of Georgia. She also had previously hinted that maybe one day she'll run for president herself. Right. And that was kind of laughable until this week when she once again left the door open for a possible presidential run, depending on what happens. She says, here's what she said. According to the Atlanta journal constitution, Marjorie Taylor Greene, when asked about running for the presidency in the future said, quote, maybe we'll see what happens. I certainly love my country and I'll do everything I can to protect it. That's not a no. It's really not even a maybe, even though she literally said, maybe I get that, but she says, we'll see what happens. Now, of course, we'll see what happens is referring to what happens in the 2024 presidential election. If she is picked as Donald Trump's running mate, and somehow they managed to win the white house. She would be vice president. Trump would be term limited. So I think hundred percent in that instance, Marjorie Taylor Greene runs for president. If say president Biden wins reelection in 2024, but MAGA is not defeated in the house and Senate. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene runs in 2028. If Biden wins the white house, MAGA's defeated in the House and Senate. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene slinks away with her tail between her legs, tries to rebrand herself as more of a conventional conservative, and then probably holds off on a presidential run a little bit longer. But those I think are, are three very real possibilities. Now, I, I think the least likely out of all of them, of course, is her being picked as Donald Trump's running mate. But let's assume for a second that this particular scenario happens. Let's say that green is not picked to be Donald Trump's running mate. And let's say that in this same scenario, Donald Trump miraculously gets convicted in all of the criminal trials and ends up having to serve time. If that happens, then what happens in the house and Senate races? I, I don't think that even comes into play anymore. I think Marjorie Taylor green emerges as the new leader of the MAGA movement, possibly alongside Matt Gates, even though they're, you know, bad blood between them at the moment, they'll heal the rift to come together to save the MAGA movement, to save our savior, Donald Trump, who's locked away. And then I think they form a ticket to run for president together in 2028. 
Now, those are all horrific ideas, right? Except for, of course, the one where Biden wins re-election, MAGA gets defeated in the House and Senate, and maybe the country starts to look a little bit more normal. But these are things we have to take seriously. Marjorie Taylor Greene continuously teasing that maybe she's going to run for president of the future. It's no longer something we can just laugh at and say, ha ha, good luck with that. No, we've seen crazier and stupider things happen in this country. We've seen stupider things happen in this country in the last year, folks. I mean, hell, look at the current polling right now. I don't think Biden's done a bad job, but he's got a 37% approval rating statistically tied with a guy who's facing 91 felony counts. Weird things are happening in politics. And because of that, I don't think we can rule out Marjorie Taylor Greene running for president. And to add on top of that, I don't think we can rule out her winning the presidency in the future. That's a horrifying thought to have. Who would have thought that Lauren Boebert choosing to go to the theater to see Beetlejuice the musical would still be something that we're talking about in November? Even given the scandal surrounding Boebert's Beetlejuice uh, antics, it's still creating a massive problem for her back in her district. According to a report out this week from the Associated Press, Boebert is apparently in serious damage control mode. So she has been going around to constituents in her district and personally apologizing to them for reaching across the aisle during Beetlejuice. Like I, I don't even understand. Like, I don't even know how you get yourself in that position watching Beetlejuice. It's not like it was, you know, something that is known to turn people on, but to each their own, I guess. But either way, Bobert, according to this report, has been very humble, you know, humiliated in expressing her deep regret to her constituents. And there's a reason why. Bobert was basically propelled into office because she projected this image of herself. And we've seen video clips. I've talked about the video clips that she is some kind of holier than thou moral authority, Christian God fearing woman. We have talked about her going up on stage at these ministries and giving her sermons where she said we should pray that Biden's days should be few, but she has absolutely captured that evangelical vote in her district. And it's those same evangelical voter, evangelical voters, excuse me, who gave her the edge in last year's election. Those are the ones that she is apologizing to because those are the ones who still are super pissed about what she did. And the Associated Press had the opportunity to talk to some of them. Here's what one of them said. Most of us were like, holy cow. And one of the big reasons for that is a gap between how she presented herself as a Christian and what ended up happening. So Bobert with her faux Christianity, right? Pretending to be something that she is clearly not, which is what most Republicans do when wrapping themselves up in the Bible got busted. Like you can't claim to be this, you know, God fearing Christian when those are the things that you're doing in that theater. 
and her evangelical voters are angry and they're not letting go of that anger, which also kind of proves that these people are pretty much fake evangelicals because Jesus did teach, you know, turn the other cheek, forgive and forget all that. And, uh, they're like, nope, we don't care what that old socialist said in that book we haven't read. We're not going to forgive and we're not going to forget. Another one of Bobert's voters said this, it should be a lot easier to get a Republican candidate into the district. We shouldn't be pulling teeth to get votes. And he also, this particular supporter said that he's not sure he's even going to support her in the primary. Now that's where all of this comes into play for Bobert. These evangelicals are going to vote for her in the primary. They're not going to switch over and vote for the Democrat. They're either going to vote for her or they're going to leave that section blank. And that's where it's going to hurt her. But the primary it's looking now, like she may not even get past that. We could be looking at another Madison Cawthorn situation. She has a strong Republican opponent who gained half of the money that she raised in three months. And the challenger of course did it in much less time than that. You've got the apparatus, the Republican apparatus in Colorado, which I had talked about a few days ago, pushing this primary challenger. The evangelicals are saying like, we're sick of this crap. I don't care if she comes and apologizes to me personally, this isn't cool. You know, she's a fraud and she's been exposed folks. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but it's really, really starting to look like Lauren Boebert will be a lame duck after the Colorado Republican primary next year. Former White House lawyer Ty Cobb, right? He's a guy with the mustache. We saw him throughout the Trump administration. He was Trump's lawyer when Trump was in the White House and he stood by Trump through thick and thin. But he told CNN during an interview this week that he does firmly believe that Donald Trump will be going to jail. And shockingly enough, Ty Cobb tells us that Trump is going to be going to jail probably a lot sooner than any of us think. And he believes that Trump will be going to jail very soon for possibly violating the gag order placed on him by judge Tanya Chutkin. As we all know, Chutkin had temporarily suspended the gag order. Then on Sunday, she put it back on him. Then less than 60 minutes after Chutkin reimposed the gag order, Donald Trump got on truth social and attacked Bill Barr, his former attorney general, who is going to be called as a witness against him. And Chutkin's gag order specifically prohibited Donald Trump from saying anything about any of the potential witnesses in the trial. So she reimposes the gag order. An hour later, Trump's on truth social trash and bill bar, weak, lethargic, pathetic, all of the adjectives Trump could think of attacking a witness against him. Because of that, Ty Cobb says, quote, I think she'll come in with a much heavier penalty. And ultimately I think he'll spend a night or a weekend in jail. I think it'll take that to stop him. Now, if that quote sounds familiar, it's because that is pretty much the exact same thing I have been saying for a couple of weeks now, <laughs> like literally she should put him in jail overnight or maybe leave him there over the weekend. So 
I don't know if Ty Cobb is watching, but if you are, thanks. I appreciate it. But either way, you and I, same wavelengths on this issue. And of course, when he says, uh, you know, I think she'll come in with a much heavier penalty. He's referring to the two gag order violations he's been hit with in New York from judge Arthur Ingeron, where Ingeron fined him 5,000 for the first offense, 10,000 for the second offense, as if losing a couple dollars really matters that much to Donald Trump in this particular instance. Usually it does here. It doesn't Chutkin as Ty Cobb is basically saying has to be tougher than that because this isn't the same as his gag order violations in New York, where it's like, Hey, you shouldn't say things about my staffers. That's not cool. Give us money. This is potential witness intimidation. And this is not the first witness he has done this against. He also did it against Mark Meadows, but that was during the time when the gag order was lifted. But Chutkin has to make a decision about this. You know, finding him $10,000, finding him $50,000 is not going to stop it. The guy is worth a couple billion dollars. Losing 10,000 here, 20,000 there is not that big of a deal to him. What would be a big deal to him is marching him right over to the county jail or possibly just in a holding cell in the local police station. That would be an area, by the way, where you could have the secret service. It would be uncomfortable for them, but they could be right outside the cell. He would probably get, you know, pretty decent treatment compared to anybody else in the holding cells but no, no internet, no phone, have to eat whatever slop they feed him. He would be actually punished, punished in a meaningful way. Hearing that door, that metal, those metal bars closing behind him and knowing that he can't get out, that will have a profound impact on him. And until we get to that point, Trump isn't going to stop. Chutkin can do that, and it's time that she does. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced, and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.